ABF Creative. ABF Creative. Many define athlete success by the number of MVPs earned, all-star appearances, touchdowns scored, baskets made, or championships won. But the real wins occur off the field. When we watch and hear our sports stars discuss the topics that matter in the pursuit of equality and social justice, these voices should be heard, celebrated, and most importantly, shared. These are the real sports heroes. It's time to look in the mirror and ask ourselves, what are we doing to create change? They're just so happy to see a black man who will stand up and jeopardize every court he's got to tell the truth. I'm seeing things happen to people that don't have a voice. People that don't have a platform to talk and have their voices heard and affect change. We will definitely not shut up and dribble. I would definitely not do that. Being an NBA player don't exclude me from no conversation at all. First and foremost, I'm a black man and I'm a member of this community. Go after your dreams. You don't allow anything to take you away from your dreams. Hey everyone, this is Kiara Luck. On this episode of Real Sports Heroes, I'll be joined by 13-year NFL veteran Donovan McNabb. We talk about his quarterback career, his community service, and the weights of the black quarterback. Here's my conversation with Donovan McNabb. Well, uh, Donovan, I really just want to start, of course, with uh, growing up in Chicago and starting your your sports career. How did sports happen for you? Well, you know what? Sports was a uh, is an out. Uh, Sports was an opportunity for me to spend time with friends, be competitive. Um, you know, I looked at it in a sense growing up in Chicago, obviously the Bulls were very big with Michael Jordan. Every kid wanted to be Michael Jordan. So basketball was uh, my first love and passion. Football, following the Chicago Bears with Walter Payton. So football was another option that I looked at too. And then I was a big time Cubs fan. So baseball was also something that I, I dabbled in and track as well. But uh, one thing that I, I looked forward in, in sports was an opportunity for the camaraderie um, to build a bond with a group of guys to uh, achieve one common goal, and that's to possibly win a championship. And in that process, you learn a lot about yourself. You teach yourself about work ethic. You teach yourself about passion, determination, goal-oriented, and willing to do whatever it takes to make that sacrifice to become the best at what it is that you do. And that's kind of... That was kind of my motto growing up, growing up in Chicago, and something that my dad continued to instill into me that um, no one just wants to be out on the team. No one wants to be out on the field or on the court. You want to be a major contributor. And being a major contributor, you know, see how far you can go with everything that you do. We're not quitters. We're, We're guys who put that extra effort into our role, our our position, our title, to be the best at what we do. So that was kind of something that was an introduction to me into sports. And I kept that same mindset all the way through. Now, at what point did you realize that football was your career? Um, doing all of these sports, what made football this, like it for you? <laughs> you know, it's funny. It was pretty much when uh, almost draft year. Uh, I still, I, to this day, I still think I'm a basketball player, but <laughs> you know, I'm just a couple inches too short. Uh, and the opportunity wasn't fully there. But but you know what? All in all, 
for all sports that I played and even baseball. You know, people didn't realize that I played baseball as well. And I enjoyed baseball. Like I, I just enjoy competition. In basketball, I look at it more as a one-on-one kind of a game that if you're doing your job to the highest level, then that, that boosts your percentage of, of helping your team win. Football is more of a team game. You know, you're doing your job, you're, you're playing your role, but if the team is playing well, then, then you go and be, become successful. Right. If the team struggles, it really doesn't matter what you do. In the you know, um, but but I look at it in a, in a sense. I mean, I knew once I would say probably my sophomore year of uh, college where I felt like I, I had a great opportunity of becoming a draft pick, a high draft pick. Now you had many offers, but two schools offered you Nebraska and Syracuse mm-hmm. at the quarterback position. Now talk about what it was like for you to kind of showcased yourself as a quarterback, mm-hmm. but only two schools wanted you at that position. Right. Well, I wouldn't say it was just two schools. There were there were many schools that wanted to offer me the opportunity to come in and compete for the, the starting role at the quarterback position. The two major schools that I looked at when I narrowed it down uh, was Nebraska and Syracuse. Now, there were schools that, that were recruiting you for uh, quarterback, but it was pretty much like an athlete. You know, you come in, yeah, you and as a quarterback, then all of a sudden you you'll probably find yourself in a, in line with the receivers or safety or running back or linebackers, whatever it may be. Uh, and and I weeded those those schools out. But you know, I think when those two particular schools uh, came down to me, they were in very, very similar offenses that I ran in high school. Obviously, Nebraska and Syracuse were two well-known schools. From an academic standpoint, as far as broadcasting is concerned, something that, that I received my, my degree at Syracuse in, in uh, sports broadcasting and, and, and uh, you know, just being able to step in front of the camera, be behind the camera, learn more about um, the role of being that, that sport broadcaster that I always wanted to be. And then also for sports, you think about an opportunity to play two sports at two major universities. And that was the opportunity that was given to me. And that's why I narrowed them down to my final two, which was tough because here's Nebraska who's competing for national championships in football. And then here's Syracuse that had a, you know, their basketball team was outstanding. Their football team was still on the rise. You're playing in a dome. And, and, and being from Chicago, when you hear Syracuse, New York, oh, you're like, oh, I'm going to be in the city. I'm going to be out there. And then you get close and you get the recruiting trip. You're like, well, how far is New York City from here? They're like three and a half hours. I'm like, three? What? Like, but um, it, it was a, it was a good decision that I look at. I never regret it. Um, and Syracuse was my choice, and I enjoyed every bit of it. Now, for two of those years, you were a walk-on with Syracuse basketball. And to correct me if I'm wrong, but you – Three. Three. Sorry, three. Yeah. And then you grew up with Anton Walker and meeting him in the finals while you were with Syracuse. What was that experience like for you? Uh, kind of just seeing like your childhood friend grow up and become a champion and you guys just continuously crossing paths. Well, you know what? Antoine and I, we were, we were always competitive with each other uh, at school. And that made us the, the men that we were. And I say that, I say that really humbling because we were teammates and we were the best of teammates where, you know, we shared the ball to each other. We tried to make sure everyone had that highlight that they needed in games. We made sure we pushed each other in practice. 
And as we got older and, you know, he went to Kentucky, I go to Syracuse. And it's funny, we stayed in contact a little bit, you know, over the years. And here we are playing in the national championship game together, um, Kentucky versus Syracuse. Obviously, he was playing and I was on the bench. And I was just, I was just hoping I game just so I could try to dunk on him so I could have bragging rights back home. But I was more excited for, for him because, you know, here was a tall, lanky kid coming into high school who couldn't dunk at 6'5", six, 6'6". Six, six. And then he just kind of propelled his game to be one of the top players in the country um, in high school. And then same thing propelled for him in college. And so here's an opportunity for him after that game to leave and become a lottery pick in the NBA. And so for me, it was, I was on the rise as well for football at that particular time. And, and I was actually going to leave my junior year um, and into the draft and decided to stay another year into my, my senior year uh, academically as my red shirt junior year, uh, which ended up propelling me to become the second pick of the draft, which I will use against them because I was the highest from Mount Carmel. Uh, represent the right way. No, I'm just kidding. Now, you get into the NFL, and even it, it's crazy just in a few couple decades how the landscape of, of football has changed dramatically. Uh, what was it like coming in for you as, you know, one of the very few to be at that position? And, of course, there are many accolades that, that you've accomplished. And, you know, you and Michael Vick being the first two black quarterbacks to kind of go head to head. There are a lot of things that you've done in 13 years that many can only dream of. Uh, what was your football career like? And uh, what are some of the highs that you would never forget? Well, I mean, you know, we all know in the NFL career or NBA career, there are highs and lows. And being the quarterback of any organization, you're the face of the franchise. Um, you know, you're the one who gets criticized the most and probably get too much of the, you know, of the hype and, and the accolades uh, because you play the position. But yet and still, there's a lot of weight on your shoulders. Uh, you have to be able to carry the team. You have to be the face uh, to speak out on certain situations, you have to be able to take the bullets uh, when things aren't going well and you might not have that support that you thought that you would get as you're taking the bullets. But, you know, you pick your chin up and you continue to move forward. And that's things that I've learned over the years while uh, becoming the face of the franchise for, I mean, for three organizations. Um, but again, you know, that was a role that I was looking forward to and I, I kind of uh, embellished it. And, and, and also I, I took it upon as a challenge. Um, because I wanted to be um, the leader of, of men in the locker room to lead us to possibly winning a championship. Now, we were so close uh, of getting to five NFC championships. Um, and, you know, that says a lot about playoff appearances and things of that nature. But in my 13-year career, you know, you look at the highs and lows, and some of the highs for me was really uh, my very first win uh, in the NFL uh, was something that I'll never forget. I think it was against the Washington Redskins. Um, making it to the playoffs in my second season, uh, going 10 and 6 that year. Um, you know, winning, a, I think, 11 games in the playoffs, five NFC championships, uh, six Pro Bowls. Um, but, you know, that's all kind of under the water because that's individual stuff. Yeah. But I, I look at more of where we were uh, when we first started at the Philadelphia Eagles, you know, for, I think they were four, five and 11 or, or, or some when I was drafted. Um, and from, 
I would say 1999 to 2010, we were probably the second or third best organization as far as winning percentage was concerned over a decade. Um, and that says a lot. That says a lot about what we built since the 99 draft. Now, how does the weight of a black quarterback feel? I guess from when you were playing, um, and then I kind of want you to explain kind of just the trajectory how that position has changed. Um, and just be short years because I mean, you know, what it is when you were playing and what it is now are to me two completely different things. Because when I used to watch you play, and now we're looking at a Cam Newton, and we're looking at a Deshaun Watson, where we're looking at uh, many, what uh, the Wilson is it, completely different. So, how has the trajectory of the black quarterback changed since you played? Well, you know what, I, and, and it always kind of comes to me, so to speak. Um, but I, I always have to give credit to the James Harris's, the Doug Williams, um, the Joe Gilliams, the Marlon Bristol, uh, the Vince Evans. I always give a, a love to those particular guys, Warren Moon, um, to those particular guys because the torch was passed to myself, Dante Culpepper, Sean King in the 99 draft, Akili Smith. Um, and for, the, for a decade of when we played in that era, um, yeah, we took, we took major bullets for, you know, for, you know, people saying we weren't smart enough or, um, you know, we weren't pocket passers to, you know, we didn't come from a traditional offense to, you know, could we read defense? You know, just all these questions that they want to kind of beat around the bush to to say, but they're basically talking about us. Um, and so uh, I think for our success that we had and for our ability to take on those bullets and, and kind of shine in a major role like we were, um, really opened up the door more for guys behind us. Um, because you have to think after pretty much about a five, six year span, now it became one of the things that a lot of organizations were looking for of drafting that black quarterback. Because of that success that, that I had, and the success that Dante Culpepper had, um, now all of a sudden it's like, well, maybe we need to look into getting, finding us a Donovan McNabb. Um, so organizations started now kind of opening up their eyes a little bit more and being more receptive to what we were presenting. And so you're talking years later, and now like the names you mentioned, the Russell Wilsons, the Cam Newtons, uh, to the Deshaun Watsons, you know, Lamar Jackson, his opportunity, you know, and the list goes on. So the, it, it starts with the, the high school level. The high school level, these high schools now have a lot more black quarterbacks. I hope you're enjoying Real Sports Heroes. Stay tuned for the rest of the show. Correct me if I'm wrong, but you know, just reading the quarterback position wasn't, you know, necessarily catered to black students. Like it, it wasn't something that so yeah, that like you said, high school landscape. You're you're working uh, with QB Legacy Foundation, helping. Uh, I don't want to say raise, but teaching kids or black kids specifically the quarterback position. And what is that like? Um, kind of reading something that wasn't made for us. Well, it's funny you bring it up, and and I'll add to it that it's not just specifically for the black quarterbacks because we're we're helping prepare these young men how to be CEOs and leaders of, of organizations. We're mentoring these young men of, of the rights and wrongs, how to handle yourself 
uh, on the football field and off the football field, how to take on the role as the face of the franchise uh, and the, the leader of the football team. And, and not only that, we're teaching them the on-field and off-the-field stuff. On-field is more being able to recognize defensive and fronts and things of that nature. Uh, in the classroom, being able to step in front of the classroom and take on the role of a head coach or offensive coordinator and now you're teaching the offensive linemen what they're supposed to do, the running backs are what they're supposed to do, in every other skill position. So now what you're seeing is an extension of the head coach and coordinator at the quarterback position. And that now, if it's black, if it's white, if it's Asian, whatever it may be, we're, we're presenting that to these young men because not, they're not getting that from a lot of these coaches that are out there. A lot of coaches are are mechanics a lot of coaches are have other jobs so now they're coming it's a volunteer role pretty much and trying to coach and teach these young men when now they're behind the eight ball because here we get into their junior year and they have to teach these kids the fundamentals of a drop back quarterback or or taking the ball from center or learning how to throw the ball with touch or accuracy and things of that nature these college coaches now kind of are under under a rock because it's like well do we draft do we recruit after potential or this is what we're seeing so uh the qb legacy and also my my uh, company five sports performance um that's something that i pay a lot of attention to uh of just the integral parts of the position and teaching them the fundamentals so now when you learn the fundamentals your athletic ability can kind of just take its course and your opportunity now is is, is there for you and that's super important because now athletes aren't just athletes anymore. You know, there, there's so much more than that. And it's important to teach them these things because it, this year especially, or this past year, seeing the rise of athletes speak out against racial injustice, especially Black athletes, and feeling stuck in the middle because if you're at a PWI, a predominantly white institution, being in that position and knowing what's right in your heart and also trying to appeal to optics, especially when you're looking at your SIDs and your ADs, representing those those big names and you don't want to kind of isolate fans because majority of your fans are of other races. Um, how do you navigate keeping these kids to staying true to who they are and sticking to their core beliefs when at times that can be the hardest thing they have to do? Well, one thing you have to understand is you are what your last name is and you're representing your family. You know, at the end of the day, uh, no matter what may happen in the world or outside of your house, when you come into your house, those, those are the people who truly love you. Um, and so when you're standing up and representing your family and speaking on, on something that is very close, not only to you, but the people who, who look like you, the people who talk like you, the people who, who kind of drive themselves and strive to be um, that best person like you're trying to do, you have to take a stance. And you take a stance in a way where you are upfront and honest and, and you let people know who you really are and what you represent. And I think that's very important what you've seen from a lot of these athletes today, and that includes women too, uh, because we have to not only look at it in the sense of, yes, we're speaking on behalf of our race and, and what we believe in, but we're also, as men, speaking for the women as well. The inequality, the systematic racism. Um, I got nieces and F, I got nieces that are playing, uh, you know, professional sports. My daughters uh, play sports. Uh, so I want them to have that same, same opportunity 
as the men do. You know, I have two key, two girls, two boys. Um, my niece plays in the WNBA. I had another, I got another niece who played in the Winter Olympics and, and received a silver medal. So, you know, here we are as, uh, as uh, our black women um, need that same opportunity to speak up and, and stand for what they believe in. And so I applaud, I applaud all the athletes uh, for what they, they are standing up for and speaking on. And the thing that, that I applaud as well is I applaud the Caucasians supporting and backing the African-American because we need their voice. We need their voice. We need their presence there so that people will just see this isn't just a black thing. No, this is a thing that we need to change in order for all of us to come together. So when kids come to you and if they say, as an example, you know, when you look at a Colin Kaepernick, who has done a phenomenal job in handling all of this, who decided to do what was right, and he had to face horrible consequences for it, and he has yet to have an NFL job. How do you navigate that answer? What, what do you tell them in doing the right thing? <laughs> you have to do it still, even when, you know, in, in optics, it, it doesn't make you a winner. Well, it, it's not that it doesn't make you a winner because, to be honest with you, Colin Kaepernick is a winner. Right. I mean, I mean from, you know, winning as far as getting a job back in the NFL. Well, yeah. that, that, that is something that, that people want to gloss over because they understand the severity of what happened to Kaepernick. And not as, that's not just us as, as African-Americans. That's for the Caucasians and, and the Mexicans and everybody else to see that here's somebody who told us about this years ago and our president came out to badmouth him and bash him on twitter and, and publicly and the nfl stood behind the president instead of supporting their own now all of a sudden you want to the nfl is trying to support kaepernick but it's too late and so now you're starting to see adam silver starting to represent and stand with his players you're starting to see major league baseball starting to have opportunities for their players to speak out on it and saying the NHL is starting to do that. But the NFL, who turned their back on the situation early on, now trying to kind of wipe the dust think like, yeah, everything's fine. No, everything is not fine. Um, so um, I, I think in, in the world that we're living in today, um, has there been a little bit of change? I would say that there's a little bit of ounce of understanding and, and there's a little bit of ounce of support that people are still kind of moving in that direction slowly, um, but it needs to be a drastic change in order for kind of the, the, the meter to move a little bit. Right, and how can we support athletes, um, even student athletes especially? How can the public and how can fans stand by you guys and, and make you feel like you have that solid ground on us. We got more room on our shoulders, behind us, in front of us. And I think this is the thing too, that I think people kind of um, get pulled back. Just because we're athletes and people want to talk about our financial aspect of things or how we're living and the materialistic things, at the end of the day, we're human beings just like you. I eat, sleep, wake up, work out, watch TV, go to work. I do the same things you do. It's just that my profession is a little bit different than yours. But at the end of the day, when we look in the mirror, we're looking at the same same person. So 
we we take on that support because we want everybody else to understand that we're human beings as well. Hey, I got four kids here at the house. Uh, I got bills to pay. Uh, you know, I'm out working and training and things of that nature. And I'm, I'm mentoring to kids that I want to see these kids be able to step up and, and talk and speak on what they believe on and also bring on more people to join them. That's kind of the whole thing with the QB legacy, what we're starting here. And I've been doing it with my own company with five sports performance, because it's not just about black and white. We're all together. And until we realize that, that we both bleed red, you know, then we're still going to have this kind of separation because it all starts at the household. You know, it starts at the household because the conversation that moms and dads are having with these kids, these kids are walking out the door with that same belief like mom and dad is, is having at the house. Until they understand they have a voice and if they don't agree, if they agree or disagree with their parents, they got to stop on you're right. Now, Donovan, uh, I know we have to close out soon, so really need to figure out how can we get you into the Hall of Fame? Um, what do we <laughs> have to do? How many petitions do we have to sign? Do we have to do a picket line? Like, what do we have to do to get you there? I, you know what? I, I don't know. I mean, it's nothing that I can do. Uh, I could just, I just continue to wait and see if it happens. It happens. If it doesn't, there's no sweat on my back because you know, again, uh, I'm trying to help um, push and and present something to the youth so that they'll have an opportunity to achieve their goal. I didn't play the game to make the Hall of Fame. I played the game because I loved it. Um, and if it happens, it happens. If it don't, it doesn't. It doesn't. Um, there's one particular um, player, an individual who. Um, I believe should have an opportunity, or I should say two players that I think should have the nod. Um, it's Randall Cunningham and, and Steve McNair. Yes. Um, now, yeah. we talked about Warren Moon being the only African-American quarterback that's in, yeah. in the Hall of Fame. Um, I can name three of us that, that should be following him because at the end of the day, they're, they're not understanding that the gate is going to open because behind us, it's going to be about three, four more. That's incredible. All right. And my last question to you, Donovan, is who is your real sports hero? My real sports hero is my brother. Um, my brother who played basketball, my brother who played football, my brother played baseball as well. He was my sports hero because everything that I seen him do out on the field, I wanted to be better at. Um, you know, I watched him as he, you know, was outside shooting. I'm looking through the window as a little kid. We're four years apart. And as soon as he came off the court, I walked on the court to do the same things that he did, uh, how he carried himself. Um, I watched how, you know, he came in with good grades. I tried to have good grades. Um, so he was my sports hero until this day. He's not, he, we're not playing sports anymore, but he's still my. All right, well, thank you so much, Donovan. Thank you for having me. Thanks for listening to Real Sports Heroes. Subscribe to the podcast to ensure you're notified when the next episode drops. And please take a second to rate and review the show. We want as many people as possible to be able to engage with our real sports heroes. And your ratings and reviews help other people find our show. Thanks again, and we'll see you next time.